Hello, friends. Today's podcast is a little different from our normal podcasts. I'm introducing a new segment called W3. Wondering what's W3? It's What Works Wednesdays. But before we get started, I want you to do something. Close your eyes and imagine yourself walking down the street. It's been a long, tough Wednesday, and the week is nowhere close to done. The weekend seems so far away. You are walking towards your favorite restaurant. You notice from the corner of your eye a person huddled in garbage bag with a cardboard sign that says, Please help! But there's something different about this person. It's not like a typical homeless person. No, no, not at all. It's a person your age, a young student. What? How is that possible? Okay, open your eyes. That homeless person could have been a girl from your English class or the boy in your physics who's always confused or concerned about something. Or the best volleyball player in Rick Hansen's secondary school. That could even be you or me, but it isn't. Why? Let's find out in today's W3 edition of Podcasting Prodigies. I am going to talk about a very important topic, youth homelessness. Is it really the family's fault? Let's dissect this question a little further. There are two perspectives to this question. First, the obvious. Yes, families are at fault when it comes to youth homelessness. I found an article, it was actually quite interesting, from the Globe and Mail, and it examines this phenomenon closely. It asks an important question. Where should money go? Food or rent? It's a tough choice, right? I mean, can you imagine giving up pizza? Because you have so little and it has to go towards rent. It's not always about giving up money, though. Sometimes it could be about abuse. Take the case of Robbie McLeod, whose mom neglected him and even threw his food to their dogs. In fact, Globe and Mail goes on to say that domestic violence is a major factor for some when it comes to homelessness. The Covenant Home shares two heartbreaking statistics. 60! Yeah, that's right. 60% of homeless youth reported some involvement with child welfare in the past. And 63% of youth indicated neglect and abuse as a primary reason they left. Sometimes it's not about abuse or poverty. It could be just about anything from youth leaving their homes because of feeling like a burden to being forced into drugs or selling themselves. Family is also at fault because of underlying issues. For example, it can be divorce and Eric Erickson's theory especially intimacy versus isolation. Take Pandora Parks, for example. She was just 15. Her parents had divorced and she was supposed to live with her father. 
She wanted to live with her mother. She was able to be intimate with her mother. She was able to be honest, open, and have someone who supported her decisions. But her mom could not look after her at the time. The reason that this is a great example of intimacy versus isolation is actually because Pandora felt isolated from her father. In her words, he was a weakened father and had not been there since the beginning. She felt she could not reveal her true self to him or express any feelings with him. She had been date raped at 15 and lost her keys. Instead of getting in an argument with her father, she chose to leave, feeling that isolation on the streets was better than that from her father. So we can see these examples. Homelessness has a lot to do with families, but there's another reason. There's another side. The whole argument that families are not the main reason for homelessness. Let's take a look at Teresa Hamilton. She's 17 years old and she's from Mississauga. A great example of the exchange theory. The exchange theory depicts the idea of give and receive. Pros and cons, if you will. In Teresa's case, she felt there was no benefit in staying at home. She wasn't given time or opportunities to better herself. It was a mutual decision for her to leave, as her mom was also getting tired of having constant arguments with her. This example shows that it's not always the family's fault, and sometimes it can be for our own gratification. There's also another example I would love to share, but I wanted to first ask, has anyone heard of Glee? Because that's where this comes into play. The actor Corey Monteith, who, shocker, is Canadian, also went through homelessness. And he discusses it as, when I was 13 or 14, I couldn't handle playing by the rules, so I'd just go out on my own. I would find myself sleeping under a bridge or in a tent in the park behind the mall. But contrary to popular belief, he would work many jobs, like at Walmart, as a Rob Ufer, to name a few. The other interesting thing was, Corey became an actor after attending a few acting classes. In an odd turn of events, you might also say that his decision to be homeless led to him pursuing his interests in becoming an actor. Also, Monteith was working with Unite, the Virgin's group's nonprofit foundation to establish a youth homelessness awareness day in Canada. So he was giving back as well. Thus showing homelessness can be a conscientious choice. The Covenant Home, a charity, highlights that youth homelessness is significantly larger in minority groups. 50% of the LGBTQ plus society, 30% are indigenous, and 28% identified themselves as a racialized community. Now, I'd like to give the mic over to an expert from the Homeless Hub. He's going to discuss a cool statistic. Youth homelessness is a complex social issue because as a society, we have failed to provide young people and their families with necessary and adequate support. Support or help 
that will enable them to move forward with their lives in a safe and planned manner. There are two sides of the issue. It's not an easy one size fits all. Thank you, sir. So, let's hear let's discuss further and we'll now discuss the issue of youth homelessness and family in a biopsychosocial realm. From an ecological perspective, homelessness can be understood as a result of interactions among risk factors ranging from individual conditions to socioeconomic structure and economic circumstances. As mentioned by Toro, Trickett, Wall, and Salem, 1991, Fair in 2004, and National Coalition for the Homeless, 2007. While there are a lot of efforts being made to support youth as well. Let's take the example of Carlton's decision to make the first ever bursary for homeless youth. It's called Chicken and Bones. After two homeless youth with the same names had been have died. So this bursary will cover tuition, living costs, housing costs, but bigger questions still remain. What can we do as students, friends, and as a society to end this epidemic? What can we do so that the kid in the garbage bag with the cardboard sign is not someone from our school? And more importantly, what are those early signs? we can identify in order to end this before it even starts.